Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. This is PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. This is the live internet broadcast for Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. Today we are talking about the Battle of Armageddon and the 1,260 days prophecy in the Book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there are 12 statements of prophecy. These statements of prophecy span chapters 5 through 22 of the book of Revelation. When you get to Revelation chapter 15, you have the beginning of the discussion of the seven final plagues that culminate with the Battle of Armageddon. And in chapters 17 and 18, there's more discussion in the purple and scarlet prophecy of exactly what will happen during the Battle of Armageddon when the Lord returns after after the marriage of the Lamb, there's the marriage supper. After the wedding, there's the wedding feast. After marriage of the Lamb, in other words, this is when the first resurrection happens, when Jesus Christ gets his forever bride. The entire harvest is brought in. What does the harvest include? Well, there are three locations at which human beings exist. Those locations include this present earth as well as heaven all those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, but who await, they await the resurrection. They continue to exist with their mind, uh, their soul, their mind, will, and emotions perfectly intact, with their spirit perfectly intact. So they are two in one, but God has a perfect plan. That perfect plan is for every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life to exist three in one, body, spirit, and soul, in an incorruptible body, a perfected, glorified body, to transition from mortality to immortality. And so today, human beings exist in three locations on this present earth, in heaven, and in Hades. Heaven and Hades are storage tanks. Uh, these are locations for human beings who have experienced first death. So every human being, with the exception of Jesus Christ, and the other two who were caught up to heaven, but the rest of us, including Adam, experienced the first death, 
unless we are here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the first death is not permanent. It is simply falling asleep, as the Bible says many times. The Battle of Armageddon is a part of the wrath of God. It follows the 1,260-day Great Tribulation period. As Christians, we are not appointed to wrath. We're not appointed to whose wrath? To the wrath of God, which includes the seven final plagues and culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. But before we get to the wrath of God, we have the wrath of Satan. The wrath of Satan is the Great Tribulation. And so the Great Tribulation is a period of time during which the church, which includes all believers who exist on the earth, as well as believers in heaven, but the church, the members of the church who are here, we will be present for the Great Tribulation. And we know that because it's revealed as a secret in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, it says, I saw the souls of those who had been slain with axes, beheaded for their witnessing to Jesus and for preaching and testifying for the word of God, and who had refused to pay homage to the beast or his statue and had not accepted his mark or permitted it to be stamped on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived again and ruled with Christ the Messiah a thousand years. So John the Revelator is talking about the reality that any believer who loses his or her life during the 1,260 days of the Great Tribulation will return to life on this present earth again. They live again and rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. So you might say, well, wait a minute. Why is it limited to a thousand years? This present earth exists for approximately a thousand years after the Battle of Armageddon. That thousand years is a transition period, often referred to as the millennial reign. And you say a transition to what, research scientists? It's a transition to the new earth. So we exist on the present earth, but the culminating statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation tells us that once all five enemies of God are destroyed with the second death, this earth transitions from the present earth to the new earth. And there's a new earth and there are new heavens. So how does the book of Revelation end? It ends with a report of life on the new earth and the reality of new heavens. And before that 12th and final statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation, the culminating book in the Holy Bible, before the millennial 
just before the new earth prophecy is the dead judged prophecy at the end of Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, the great white throne judgment is discussed. There's a report of the great white throne judgment, the dead judged prophecy. It's only five verses, but it's very important. It's very important. A report of the fourth and fifth enemies of God being destroyed is contained in the dead judged prophecy. And just before that prophecy is the millennial reign prophecy. So what happens after Jesus Christ fights and wins the battle of Armageddon? Well, as reported in Isaiah chapter 9, he establishes his government. That's in the beginning of verse 4 of chapter 20. He establishes his government and he begins to rule. And at the end of a thousand years, the third enemy of God, Satan himself, is destroyed. But what happens before the millennial reign? The battle of Armageddon. And so now we're getting to the meat of our discussion today. So before Jesus Christ can rule and reign on this present earth, he must put down the kingdoms of man to establish the government of God, the kingdom of God. And so many nations will continue to exist after the second coming of Jesus Christ. But as reported in Ezekiel, some nations will be destroyed forever. But many nations, perhaps most, will be permitted to continue but under new management, under new leadership, under a new government. That's the government of God, the government of Jesus Christ. And that is exciting to look forward to because there will never, ever be another war on this present earth. After the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won, it will be a war waged in righteousness. On one side is God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and the armies of heaven. And on the other side, Team Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And the armies of many nations, as reported in Ezekiel and in Revelation chapter 19, let's hear the full report of the Marriage Supper Prophecy. The Marriage Supper Prophecy is the ninth statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation. It begins with verse 6. Of Revelation. Let me make sure I have that right. Begins with either verse 6 or verse 7 and it ends at the end of the chapter. Many statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation talk about the Battle of Armageddon, but the statement of prophecy for which the primary focus is the Battle of Armageddon 
is the marriage supper prophecy, and that's in Revelation 19, and indeed it begins with verse 6. Here it is. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Now let's pause there for a second. So what has happened the first resurrection has happened. The wedding has happened. And all persons whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who comprise the bride, have received new outfits. An outfit that's pure white linen, that has already happened. And now that the wedding has happened, as reported in verse 7 of chapter 19, it's time for the wedding feast. Verse 8 says that the bride has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. But it's time now for the wedding feast. So you have the wedding first, then you have the wedding feast. So now in verse 11 of chapter 19, we hear about the Battle of Armageddon. Specifically, what happens after the first resurrection in that same timing? So John the Revelator is shown heaven. Now think about this. As reported in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, all who transition from mortality to immortality, we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. And recall that when he rose from the dead, he was on the earth for 40 days. And then when it was time for him to go to heaven, he began to ascend and he ascended into the clouds. And so when we rise, when those who are dead, they're in heaven, but their bodies are dead. When they rise from the dead, in other words, when they on their new incorruptible body, and when we transition from our corruptible body to our incorruptible body, when I say we, those who are here on the earth, we're going to rise up. We're going to ascend into the clouds. And now here we're told what happens after the first resurrection, verse 11 
Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. So we're told that the person on the white horse, his name is Faithful and True, and that he wages a righteous war. The righteous war is the battle of Armageddon. Let's continue. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. So here we are. It's after the first resurrection. Jesus Christ is in heaven. Beautiful description of what he looks like and what he's wearing is given. Several of his titles are reported. And also reported is that there are armies of heaven who are following him. So following him to where? Jesus Christ leaves the physical location known as heaven, and he leaves riding a horse. The armies of heaven leave heaven. They follow him also on white horses. But Jesus Christ is not simply coming with a horse. He's coming with an important weapon. The weapon is greater than any nuclear bomb, and that weapon is a sharp sword. We're going to hear later in this report how the sharp sword works. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations, continuing in verse 15. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God. Let's pause there. The Battle of Armageddon is... The wrath of God. So the seven final plagues are the wrath of God. And the seventh plague includes, it's not limited to, but it includes the battle of Armageddon. So Jesus Christ will release the culmination of the wrath of God, which is the battle of Armageddon. Let's continue here in the marriage supper prophecy in Revelation 19, picking up where we left off. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders. And of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So that tells us exactly who the key players are at the Battle of Armageddon. The key players include Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven. That's on one side. And then on the other side are the Antichrist, that's the beast, and the kings of the world in their armies. 
So the Antichrist leads the kings of the world and their armies. Jesus Christ leads the armies of heaven. And they're on opposing sides. Team God versus Team Satan. Team Jesus versus Team Antichrist. That is what will happen at the Battle of Armageddon at the end of a seven-year period, which includes 1,260 days. Now, what happens at the end of this seven-year period? What happens to those who come against God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and the armies of heaven? We have it at the end of the marriage supper prophecy. Verses 20 and 21 tell us everything. It says, Beginning with verse 20. And the beast was captured. So the battle of Armageddon ends with the Antichrist losing. It says, and the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had, all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So at the Battle of Armageddon, a war waged in righteousness, we have right here in verse 20 what happens. The Antichrist and the false prophet, the first two of God's five enemies that are destroyed. How are they destroyed? They're thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, that's what's called the second death. We know that from Revelation chapter 20. Okay, so what happens to the armies? Verse 21 says, Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So this weapon brandished by Jesus Christ, a singular weapon, kills the armies in their entirety. So the entire army of the Antichrist, which is comprised of the armies of several nations. In Ezekiel, we learned that uh, armies from Ethiopia and Libya and led by the army of Russia, as well as the army of Jordan and many others, it says in Ezekiel. very last verse says, and the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. So that's the cleanup plan for this war waged in righteousness. How will, how will the carnage be removed? Well, it will begin with the vultures gorging themselves on the dead bodies. And we're told in Ezekiel that the people of Israel will spend seven months cleaning up the carnage taking all the weapons to actually repurpose them for use as fuel. So this is the Battle of Armageddon. It's the end of a seven-year period. This seven-year period is described in Daniel chapter 9. One set of seven, seven years. So a prophecy is given, a 490-year prophecy with 70 sets of seven, 70 times seven is 490. 
And we await in our day the final set of seven described in Daniel chapter 9 and reported here in the book of Revelation. Now let's talk about the seven-year period that culminates with a war waged in righteousness, the Battle of Armageddon. In this seven-year period, which begins with the signing of the confirmation of the covenant, it begins with the Antichrist participating in a peace treaty, a peace treaty between Israel and those nations which up to that point have prevented Israel from rebuilding her temple. We await the rebuilding of the third temple. When this temple is rebuilt, and it's referred to in the seven trumpets prophecy in Revelation chapter 11, it's referred to also, uh, let me pause there. When this temple is rebuilt, Israel will begin to resume the daily sacrifices, the same sacrifices that the Antichrist will put an end to Now, in this seven-year period, it begins with, again, the signing of the peace treaty, the confirmation of the covenant. It ends with the Battle of Armageddon. Those are the most uh, important points in terms of uh, anchors, right? So we're trying to make sure that as children of the day, we are not uh, unaware of what season we are in that the second coming of Jesus Christ does not surprise us because we have studied the prophecies in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the book of Daniel, in Ezekiel, in many books of the Bible. And so let us continue our learning and understanding. Today, looking at the 1,260 days prophecy in the book of Revelation. We already looked at chapter 19. We know what happens at the end of the seven-year period. After the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's the marriage of the Lamb and then the marriage supper. The first resurrection, and in that same timing, following the first resurrection is the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon releases the fierce wrath of God. The wrath of God includes the seven final plagues described in Revelation 15 and 16. The seven final plagues culminate with the Battle of Armageddon, but they they aren't limited to the Battle of Armageddon, right? So let's go back. After the signing of the Confirmation of the Covenant, Israel and Palestine will agree, their leaders will sign a peace treaty facilitated in part by the Antichrist. Other individuals might be a party to it as well. Once Israel gets that green light, which is very important, they will rebuild the third temple. However, Although the peace treaty says 
that Israel can rebuild its third temple and is allowed to resume its worship of God, which includes daily sacrifices as well as, well as special offerings. Those who agree to this will go back on it. Who? The Antichrist. He will go back on his word. He will go back on the agreement. And halfway through, we're told in the book of Daniel, he'll say, you know, these sacrifices have to stop. These sacrifices have to stop. And he will declare that he is God. And instead of being Israel's friend, which he was never Israel's friend, but in the beginning, he will be celebrated. He will be hailed as a hero and as a thought leader and as a, uh, a man of great wisdom. The world will celebrate him tremendously. Israel will celebrate him tremendously. But those who know the prophecies of the Bible, we will be getting ready for the great tribulation because we know that as the bride of Christ, we're going to be here. Revelation 20, verse 4. There are other verses, but that verse, is, that verse, Revelation 20, verse 4, proves that there is no pre-tribulation rapture. Let me say it again. Don't be mad at me for reporting what exists in the Bible, for reading the word of God. There's no pre-tribulation rapture. We know that because... We're told in Revelation 20, verse 4, which we heard earlier today, that there will be those in Christ who lose their life because they refuse to take the mark of the beast. You have to be here when the mark of the beast is offered in order to refuse it. Well, when is the mark of the beast available? When do you need the mark of the beast to buy and sell? You need it during the Great Tribulation. As described in the 1,260 days prophecy, which we're talking about today, and in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, which we'll be talking about on Sunday and for every program in April. So this 1,260 day period is described in great detail in Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 13. Chapter 12 tells us about the 1,260-day period in its entirety, and it gives us a brief history, a brief history of Israel. But what will happen to Israel during the Great Tribulation? That's what we're going to hear today. Another important question is, what will happen to the church, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who reside elsewhere in the world. That's described in Revelation chapter 13. Instructions for the church are provided in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. So today we're going to hear what happens to the nation of Israel during the 1,260 days. That's a period of time in the seven-year period that begins with the signing of the confirmation of the 
Covenant, the upcoming peace treaty between Israel and Palestine, and the Battle of Armageddon, the end of the seven-year period. Okay, that's Daniel's 70th week prophecy described in the book of Daniel. At the end of the prophecy that we're focusing on today, we're going to hear another secret. Not only will we hear secrets about what happens to Israel during the Great Tribulation, but we'll hear the timing about when the war that happens during the Great Tribulation, when it is enlarged beyond fighting only those individuals who are in Israel, when it is enlarged to include Christians everywhere. That secret is also revealed at the end of this prophecy. So let's hear it now, the 1,260 days prophecy Reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, it says, John the Revelator is talking to us. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. He sees Israel more than 2,000 years ago. And he says that this is an event of great significance. Israel's about to give birth. Then he moves on. He's shown something else. Beginning with verse 3, picking up where we left off. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. Let's pause there. So here we're in the movie trailer, The Abstract, for the 1260 days prophecy and John the Revelator is shown Satan and Satan has 10 horns with 7 crowns so there will be 10 nations during the 1260 days 1260 days is 3 and a half years there will be ten nations in an alliance. That alliance will include Russia, the bear, Great Britain, the lion, Germany, the leopard, and seven other nations. The Antichrist, we're told in the book of Daniel, he will put down three of the heads, three of the crowns, and so ultimately there will be seven, ten nations with seven crowns. This is described in the book of Daniel and in Revelation. 
The same reference is provided in the purple and scarlet prophecy in Revelation chapters 18 and 19. But here we are, and we're given the description of Satan. John the Revelator is told that this was a significant event. Satan takes away one-third of the stars. Who are the stars? In Revelation chapter 1, we're told that the seven stars held in the hand of Jesus Christ represent the seven angels, with each assigned to one of the seven churches that existed at the time John the Revelator was on this present earth. What does it all mean? In the book of Revelation, a star consistently refers to an angel. So it says, his tail swept away one-third of the stars, and indeed, you and I know that one-third of the angels defect from team God to team Satan. Satan himself being an angel takes a third of them with him, but we're told something new here. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. So during this great tribulation, a third of the angels who are fallen angels, demonic spirits will reside on this present earth. Okay. It says, he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. So now we're given history. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. So that's a movie trailer, the abstract for this prophecy. Every statement in the book of Revelation follows this format. First, John the Revelator was shown a movie trailer. Then he was shown the full movie. And so we have, he tells us in words, in professional writing, we refer to a movie trailer in words as an abstract, and that abstract is followed by the full report. So we heard a large span of time covered. Some important facts were given. Israel was about to give birth to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, as it Described in the movie trailer, Jesus Christ was born. But Satan, although he awaited the birth of Jesus Christ and wanted to take him out, he failed. The child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And indeed, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, witnessed for another 40 days, and then he ascended into the clouds and was caught up to heaven where he resides today until the second coming. Then we're told at the end of the movie trailer that Israel will flee into the wilderness where God has prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. So as you can imagine, This movie trailer culminates with talking about the 1,260 days. So the movie will focus on the 1,260 days. What happens during this period? What happens to who? So this movie trailer focuses 
this movie, this full report, this prophecy, John was shown moving pictures in words. So those moving pictures in words today, uh, in his time, and we still refer to them as visions, but if we saw the moving pictures today, we'd say, oh, we're looking at a movie. But it's not just any kind of movie. It's a movie that reflects realities in our future. We would call that kind of movie a documentary. So let's hear a documentary of what will happen during the Great Tribulation. Verse 7 of chapter 12 is the first verse of the documentary about the 1,260 days. It says, then there was war in heaven. That's important to hear. There are events happening that are relevant in three locations, the present earth and in heaven and in Hades. And so this prophecy tells us about what happens during the great tribulation where in heaven and on earth. So what's happening in heaven during the great tribulation period? Okay, we're at the beginning of the documentary about the great tribulation, and it's telling us what's happening in heaven. It says, then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Remember, the dragon is Satan. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. So Satan, during the Great Tribulation, at first he's in heaven, but then a war is fought. Satan loses the war, and he's forced out of heaven. Now, we already know about, in the movie trailer, how Satan and his angels are thrown to the earth. But now we hear why. So we have more details because we're in the full report. We're seeing the documentary in its entirety. So how is it that during the Great Tribulation, a third of the angels, the fallen angels, are here on this earth? It's because They lost the war. They lost the ability to be in heaven, so they will be here relegated to this corruptible present earth. Then in verse 9 it says, This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. A third of all the angels, right? Now, what's the reaction of people in heaven? Here it is, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens. And you who live in the heavens, rejoice. So who lives in the heavens? All whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
and who are disembodied, they're still living. Where do they live? They live in heaven. Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but who have experienced the first death, they are still living too, but they're in a different storage tank. They're in Hades. They're awaiting the great white throne judgment, but they're going to have to wait a little while longer. We're told that in heaven, during this 1,260 days, after Satan loses the war in heaven, the reaction in heaven is excitement. It's jubilation. They celebrate that they don't have to deal with Satan anymore. They don't have to hear him accusing you and me and others not reporting on what we're doing or not doing, basically being a tattletale and trying to uh, get under the skin of God the Father, saying, well, you – You think that they love you. Remember, how do we know what he does as the accuser of the brethren? We know what he does because it's the same thing he's been doing for thousands of years. In Job, there's a report on how Satan accuses Job to God the Father. So he was the accuser of Job, and he's your accuser, and he's my accuser. He's the accuser of all the brethren, all who are in Christ, who are residing on the present earth. That's what he does. But that period of time where he's allowed to actually come before the throne of God is coming to an end when? During this 1,260 days. And when it happens, they are happy. They are thrilled. Now you might ask, well, why has he been allowed for so long to do this? Why does God allow him to come before him in heaven? Well, I don't have an answer for that, but we do have an answer. We're told how it comes to an end. That secret is revealed in verse 11. It says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Okay, so that's the blood of Jesus Christ and by their testimony. Let's hear more about that second part. And by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. There's something about the testimony of those who lost their life. Testimony for Jesus Christ. And they died. At a certain point, God says, enough. So the testimony of those who lose their lives, it's impactful. It matters to God when he hears their testimony in heaven about how they lost their life. It impacts God. And ultimately, Michael is given permission to attack Satan, and he does. He wages a war in heaven Against Satan, you might say, well, why does he wait so long? Nothing happens in heaven without God allowing it to happen. In contrast, things happen on earth without God's consent all the time. We say, well, that's not true. The will of God always happens. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. 
friend and truth seeker. God says his will is that none should perish, but that all, that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But people are perishing every day. This present earth is ruled by Satan. So we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. Well, when is the will of God going to be done on earth all the time, or at least most of the time? It's when God manifests in the flesh, Jesus Christ establishes the government of God on this present earth. When does that happen? After he wages the war in righteousness, that's the battle of Armageddon, he wages that war in righteousness and he wins it. But until then, until then, we have terror on the earth. But at the beginning of the 1,260-day period, in that timing, Satan is thrown out of heaven, so they're celebrating. Now, what does it mean for those of us who are here on the earth? Well, let's continue in verse 12. It says, But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Now, what does that mean? Terror on the earth is going to increase. Right now, Satan can travel. He can be in heaven. He can uh, appear before God who sits on the throne. He can be on the earth, but... At the beginning of this 1,260-day period, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, he's demoted. He is confined. He is confined to this present earth. And it says that when this happens, when he thrown out of heaven, he brings terror to this earth and to the sea, he's angered greatly. And why? It says, knowing that he has little time. Well, how much time does he have? He has 1,260 days minus however long the war uh, took in heaven. In other words, he has only 1,260 days. The Great Tribulation is limited to 1,260 days. So let's continue. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth. Let's pause there for a second. So Satan and his flunkies, the angels who lacked wisdom, the angels who were deceived by Satan, uh, those angels and Satan, they lose the war. But it says here Satan... He realizes that he's been thrown down to the earth. So apparently it happens suddenly. He's in heaven uh, as he's been for thousands of years. Things seem like they're normal, but then all of a sudden they're not normal. All of a sudden he's disallowed to be in heaven, which is a beautiful place. And now he's on this corruptible earth and he can't go back. He's confined and constrained. He's defeated. And so he's angry. Now what happens when he realizes that he has lost that war and he is relegated to the narrow confines of this corruptible earth? It says 
he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Who's the woman? The woman is Israel. And it says, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle. Who's the eagle? The eagle is the United States of America, several nations with respect to this period. What period are we talking about? The seven-year period that begins with the signing of the peace treaty between Israel and Palestine, and that ends with the Battle of Armageddon. And within that seven-year period includes the wrath of Satan, followed by the wrath of God. The wrath of Satan is 1,260 days. And now... In this 1,260-day period, we hear about how Satan fights and loses the war in heaven. Michael fights and wins the war in heaven. Satan and a third of the angels, the fallen angels, come with him. They are relocated abruptly from heaven to this present earth. It says, but she was given, talking about Israel, two wings like those of a great eagle. The eagle, the same eagle referred to in Daniel. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, we hear about, let's hear it, the first, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar was like a lion. Uh, let me go to the New Living Translation. I was reading from the Amplified Classic, and they have things in parentheses. Let's go to Daniel 7, verse 4. So Daniel's given a vision of the beast, the ten-nation alliance that will exist, at the time of the Great Tribulation, the Ten Nation Alliance described in Revelation 13. So we're in that same timing. Let's hear what Daniel was shown. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. So one of the beasts in the Ten Nation Alliance during the Great Tribulation, this Ten Nation Alliance that will have ten kings, but ultimately three will be put down by the Antichrist. The mouthpiece for the Ten Nation Alliance will be the Antichrist. So this Ten Nation Alliance includes a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being, and it was given a human mind. So America has its roots in the lion. In Great Britain, but indeed we declared our independence. A war was fought and won. And just maybe coincidentally, as Irvin Baxter pointed out, uh, we celebrate Independence Day on July 4th, even though it was achieved on July 2nd to be my birthday. It was achieved on, uh, we celebrated on July 4th. And Irvin Baxter points out that maybe coincidentally or maybe not, this happens to be in chapter 7, verse 4. The United States of America is mentioned in 
7, 4, July 4th, Daniel chapter 7, verse 4. Now let's get back to where we are in the book of Revelation. And let me mention, you need secrets in other books of prophecy, keys to unlock the secrets in the book of Revelation. Many of those keys are found in other books of prophecy in the Bible, in Daniel, in Ezekiel. So let's go back to where we are. Now we know who the eagle is. It says, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle. So Israel will have the support of the United States of America during the Great Tribulation. Now, I can't tell you, I don't know who the president of the United States of America will be during the Great Tribulation. But we do know that she was given two wings like those of a great eagle. America has been Israel's greatest ally in the modern world. Since 1948, when Israel came back together again supernaturally, and the Jewish people began to return to its homeland, the world in shame and regret, having done very little, very little to ensure the safety of the Jewish people during the horrible Holocaust. The world in shame and in despair allowed, finally, Israel to have its own nation. Wars were fought. Uh, Israel supernaturally came back together in 1948. It had not existed as a nation on this earth since 70 A.D., so that's almost 2,000 years. And now we fast forward from 1948 to the signing of the peace treaty between Israel and Palestine. That's shortly to come to pass. And a short while later, within this seven-year period that begins with the signing of the peace treaty, the United States of America will provide support for Israel. And we will be a great nation but we will not dominate economic and political affairs in the way that we have in the past. Nonetheless, America will continue to be great. It's in the prophecy here in the book of Revelation. Let's continue. It says, there she would be cared for and protected from the dragon. So Israel will be protected. Israel will continue to survive with the help of the United States of America. No doubt that will include financial support. It says, there she will be cared for and protected from the dragon, who's that Satan, for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. So in the book of Revelation, the Great Tribulation is always reported as being precisely three and a half years. So here we're told it's a time, that's one year, times, two years, and half a time, half a year. So one plus two plus one half is three and a half. Earlier in the prophecy, in its abstract, we're told 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. Also, elsewhere, it's referred to as 42 months. 12 months is one year. 12 plus 12 plus 12, 36. That's three years. And, of course, 
half a year is six months, 36 plus six is 42 months. Wherever you look in the Bible, the Great Tribulation is always three and a half years. It's within a seven-year period that culminates with the Battle of Armageddon and begins with the signing of the peace treaty. Now let's continue. What else happens? It says, telling us about this three-and-a-half-year period. Now we're going to get some more details. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water that flowed from his mouth. So Satan, during the Great Tribulation, is going to attempt to destroy the nation of Israel with a flood using water. Now what happens? But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. So we see that natural disasters have ruined many nations, tsunamis, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes. And so Satan, using his power, manipulates the elements, specifically attempts to destroy Israel using the element of water with a flood. What happens? It doesn't work. He fails again. He fails in the war in heaven. Now he's here on the earth fighting Israel. And before Jesus even comes, he fails. So he tries to take Israel out with the flood. That doesn't work. Then it says in verse 17, and the dragon was angry at the woman. So imagine, and this is shortly to come to pass, Satan is defeated at time number one in heaven. He's thrown out with his flunkies, confined and constrained to this corruptible present earth. So he's angry. I think if 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 I was demoted and I could never, ever be in the presence of God the Father again, I might feel angry too. Praise God. I believe that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you are a truth seeker. If your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I encourage you to pursue that with all your heart, mind, and soul. Nothing is more important than having your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? God's best is for you to live forever and ever, three in one, body, spirit, and soul. He has a plan. It's coming to pass. That plan is to transition from this present corruptible earth where there's death and war and pain to a new earth where there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more pain, no more tears. And on the new earth, every person will transition from being a member of the human race to being a member of the royal race. Only the members of the royal race are permitted to live on the new earth. Why? Because all the enemies of God are destroyed. There's no more evil. If you have not transitioned to Team Jesus, then that means that by default you are on Team Satan. At the Super Bowl, there are only two teams. So if you're going to the Super Bowl, and friend, make no mistake, you are. You are going to the Super Bowl. 
you are going to the Super Bowl and you're either going to be on Team Jesus or Team Satan. And I want to tell you, we know what's going to happen. Team Jesus is going to win. Every person on Team Jesus transitions from mortality to immortality. And every person on Team Satan is resurrected, but only for the purposes of participating in the great white throne judgment. And every person on Team Satan transitions not to eternal life on the new earth, but to eternal damnation in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone forever and ever. Only those individuals whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are permitted to participate in the first resurrection, are permitted to become members of the royal race, are permitted to live on the new earth, three in one, in a peak performance body, a body that's 100% free of DNA errors, a body that will never, ever decay. Friend, that's God's best for you. Can your God, and maybe your God is science, can your God give you life that uh, exceeds a, a billion years? Jesus can. I am not against science. I am a research scientist uh, by training. That's what I do. It's part of my work here on this present earth. But the most important thing to study is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Don't be deceived. There's no option C. There's only option A, Team Jesus, and option B, Team Satan. You are going to the Super Bowl. You are going to the Super Bowl, and if you have not been recruited to Team Jesus, you're on the losing team. You're on the losing team, and every person who watches football, and maybe you say, research scientists, I don't watch American football. I watch soccer. Well, let's go with soccer for a second. At the World Cup, there are only two teams. One team wins and one team loses. It's the same thing. And, friend, if you've ever watched the World Cup or the Super Bowl, you know what it's like when your team ends, it's, your team loses, it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. Maybe it lasts a few hours. For some people, it lasts a whole day. Some people take off work. Their team loses the Super Bowl. They, you know, it, it's just so emotionally distressing that they take off the next day. A lot of people do that here in America. Maybe they do that uh, in places where people are very excited about World Cup. But, friend, imagine the pain that you experience when your team loses World Cup or Super Bowl. Imagine pain a thousand times greater, and it's not for an hour or a day, but for eternity. The pain of knowing that you will never, ever live again in a body. When you die, God is thinking about your future. He has already planned for you to have a peak performance body. Now, you can decide, you get to decide, it's your responsibility and your right to decide whether you want to cooperate with that plan or not. You don't get to make a plan C. There's no option C. 
There's only option A and B. Think about it this way. Did you get to decide whether you were going to be born or not? Did you get to decide whether you would be tall or short? Did you get to decide whether your hair would be curly or straight? Did you decide? We could go on and on. My take-home point is don't be deceived about what ultimately happens to you and I. There are two bifurcated pathways. One pathway is the path to eternal life on a new earth, and one pathway is to eternal damnation in a lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone. Both pathways are forever and ever, for the eternities of eternities. Now, we're in the 1,260 days prophecy. Satan has... Lost two times in a row. He lost the war in heaven at the beginning of the 1,260-day period. And now he's failed in his attempt to destroy Israel, this physical location on this present earth known as Israel. He attempts to destroy it with the element of water, with the flood. That fails. So now he's humiliated and he's angry. And so what does he do? Verse 17 tells us. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. That is very important. Who are the rest of her children? So there's the original tree, the original olive tree, and then there's the wild olive tree. There's biological Israel and the Gentiles who are grafted in. We all follow God's plan for salvation those of us on this present earth. But God sees two groups that ultimately become one new man. We all ultimately become members of the royal race, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But here it is. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Then it tells us who who that is. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Now, why does God separate this into two groups? At this time, during the 1,260 days, Israel's heart is still hardened. They're still following the old, outdated covenant. The old covenant is outdated and it's been replaced. But there are those individuals in Israel who don't know it yet. And so they are waiting for their Messiah. They are worshiping in the way that their ancestors did, doing the daily sacrifices, even though Jesus Christ has already died on the cross. And no more sacrifices are needed, but they don't know it yet. And so... We, as the wild olive tree, the Gentiles who have been grafted in, we are maintaining our testimony for Jesus, and we are considered the rest of her children. So who are her children? Those who are following the old covenant, and the rest of her children, those who are following the new covenant. So those who are following the old covenant and who dwell in Israel at the time of the great tribulation, Satan is fighting a war against them. Then 
the secret of the timing, when will the Antichrist wage war against the church during the great tribulation? That secret is revealed here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. When, verses, uh, verses 15 to 17, when the nation of Israel survives the great flood after, after the Antichrist has declared war against Israel and the great flood comes, and the earth opens up to receive that water, and in fact, what meteorologists will probably predict as the greatest disaster to ever come to Israel, and they'll probably say it's going to be taken out. It's no way it can survive this flood, but in fact, it does. After Israel survives a great flood, which would otherwise, under normal circumstances, it would take that land out it would destroy that physical location but the earth is going to actually open up so when this happens when the flood comes and it fails to take out israel that is the beginning of the war waged by the antichrist against the church that's the beginning. That's when the war is enlarged. So the war, the Great Tribulation, begins as a war waged on the nation of Israel. The war is enlarged to include Christians everywhere. So Christians in Europe, Christians in South America, Christians in Australia, Christians in Canada, Christians in the United States of America, the war is enlarged beyond the nation of Israel. It's first announced by the Antichrist as a war against Israel. It will then be enlarged due to the anger of Satan. So the Antichrist is inspired by Satan. The Antichrist and the false prophet are agents of Satan. So when Satan is angered and he wants to enlarge the war beyond Israel, he says, that, well, I wasn't able to take out Israel. Not only am I going to keep on this and that, not only am I going to take out Israel, but I'm going to take out the rest of her children too, right? So he wants to take it up a notch, even though he failed to accomplish you know, it's like if you can't run a mile, do you really think you're going to run 26 miles? So if you can't take out Israel, do you really think you're going to take out Israel and all Christians? Well, that's what he says he's going to do. That's his intention. Of course, we know that he fails, and his wrath is limited. It's limited to 1,260 days. So, friend, when you and I are here on this present earth at the time it of the signing of the peace treaty, we know that it's seven years to the Battle of Armageddon. And then when the Antichrist stands in the temple declaring that he is God, we know that the 1,260-day period has begun. He says he's going to bring war. He's going to bring peace by waging a war against Israel for some reason. The world's going to go along with that. He's going to say uh, he was the champion for Israel. Now he's its foe. 
He said, we're going to have peace on earth, and how we're going to do it is we're going to take out Israel. The people of the world are completely deceived. They take the mark of the beast. They're buying and selling. They're trading using this mark of the beast. And we'll talk about that more at another time. Trading, that's the key thing. There'll be a new, uh, a new economy. Remember, Satan messed up the first time due to excessive trading. And that's going to happen this time. With the mark of the beast, it's going to be a focus on trade, buying and selling. And you'll need the mark of the beast for that. Of course, every truth seeker will reject the mark of the beast, even on pain of death. Okay, friend and truth seeker, what have we learned? We've learned that the 1,260 days prophecy contains several key secrets. Let's enumerate some of the most important secrets. Number one. During the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, a war will be waged against the physical location known as Israel. Number two, during the 1,260 days, Satan and a third of the angels will be thrown out of heaven and will be confined to this present earth. Number three, terror will increase during the Great Tribulation due to the reality of Satan being here full time. So right now, Satan is sometimes in heaven, sometimes he's on the earth. Sometimes he's in heaven, sometimes he's on the earth. But when he's here full time, terror will increase. It will be a time of great distress like the world has never seen and like we will never see again. Number four, a great flood will be used during the 1,260 days in an attempt to take out the physical location known as Israel. That flood will not succeed. Number five, the failure of the flood to take out Israel the flood will be followed by the earth opening up and receiving that water. When that is completed, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of the war waged on Christians everywhere during the Great Tribulation. So the war on Christians will not be for the entire Great Tribulation. I can't tell you whether it's, you know, 1,000 days or 800 days or 1,159 days. I don't see that secret revealed anywhere in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's not there. I have not perceived it uh, in the Bible. If you have a scripture or verse where you believe that's revealed, if you would let me know, I would appreciate it. Uh, but we do know that the war waged on the church, on Christians, is during that 1,260-day prophecy, during the Great Tribulation, we are going to continue our discussion on Sunday talking about what happens to Christians during this 1,260-day period. So Revelation chapter 13 is the 666 Antichrist prophecy. In April, we'll be focusing on the 666 Antichrist prophecy. It's the fourth statement of prophecy in the book of revelation april is the fourth month of the year so we'll be focused on prophecy number four in the book of revelation that's the 666 antichrist prophecy if you have questions about the book of revelation would you text them to us here at pgn 
I am Dr. Nicole, the Book of Revelation Research Scientist. You can text that question to us at 1-214-505-8719. You can call during the live Internet broadcast. That's on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Central Time and on Sundays at 12 p.m. Central Time. You can call if you want to share your perspective, pose a question, present a prayer request. Our PGN phone number is 1-319-527-6027. So thank you for your presence and your participation. Uh, it matters to study the Word of God. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 5, let me get that so we can hear that. We are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. So what does that mean? We are supposed to know when the day of the Lord is coming. Now, we don't know the exact day and hour, but we know the timing of it. Let's hear 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. The world's going to be so happy when the Antichrist is here. They're going to be buying and selling. They're going to be uh, excited about the new world order, the one world government dominating economic and political affairs from Europe. They're going to be excited about changes in currency, nations that felt that they were disenfranchised because their currency didn't have great value. They're likely to be a part of the new currency that's being used. People will have rejected their, uh, their religion. Many Christians, unfortunately, will fall away. Other Individuals in other religions are all going to come under this harlot church described in the purple and scarlet prophecy we'll be discussing in August. It's going to be a time of great peace for those who are not Christians, those who have taken the mark of the beast. But it says about those individuals, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Well, what's that destruction? After the Great Tribulation, these 1,260 days, in the seven-year period, after the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, there's the wrath of God. It begins with the first of the seven final plagues described in Revelation 15 and 16, the seven plagues prophecy. It culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon described in the Purple and Scarlet prophecy and the Marriage Supper prophecy. Now let's continue here. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So we're not supposed to be surprised because we are not in darkness. So thank you for being here with me and with us. Thank you for being a truth seeker. We're going to continue learning about secrets in the book of Revelation, learning about secrets related to
to the actions of the Antichrist. On Sunday, we'll be talking about actions of the Antichrist. In the 666 Antichrist prophecy, six actions of the false prophet are discussed. Actions of the Antichrist are discussed. We'll be talking about it here on Sunday. And friend, if you haven't done so already, I urge you, according to Jeremiah 33.3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or if you say, I'm not sure, you say, I want to be on Team Jesus. I want to live on the new earth forever and ever in a body, in a physical body that's a peak performance body. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, if you follow that, God promises that your name will be recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for being with me and with us. Until next time.